Revelation 7. After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 from the tribe of Levi. 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar. 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun. 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph. 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation 8 When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne, and the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, a, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire, mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water, because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Revelation 9 
And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance the locusts were like horses prepared for battle, on their heads were what looked like crowns of gold, their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth, they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed, behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, fourteen saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels, who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice ten thousand times ten thousand, I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them, they wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues a third of mankind was killed, by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not reap it of the works of their hands nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they reap it of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Dash dash. And now the ancient imagery is getting thick and heavy. The really big point to see in this passage and in most of this book is that of comprehensive fulfillment. Here we see four angels holding back the four winds of the earth protecting earth, sea and trees. Every point here is significant. The four angels holding back four winds points to a total, complete action on the part of God toward all creation, i.e., the four directions, north, south, east and west. What God is doing here is comprehensive. Remembering what we have seen about land and sea throughout the Old Covenant, the land represents the people of God, the sea represents the Gentiles and trees represent the connecting point between God and men. So when God sends angels to protect each of these, we are seeing that He is no longer focused on merely the Jews but on all of creation and that the path from God to man and man to God is open and protected. The resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ has taken down the barrier of sin and death that kept man out of God's presence. The next angel to arrive is one coming with the rising of the sun. He is representative of Jesus Christ, the one who has brought light into the world. It is with the incarnation that God brought man out of the blindness of sin and death and has changed the thinking of mankind. This idea of placing a mark on man's forehead is not so pedantic as a literal mark but a change in thinking. As God identifies these men, He again uses numbers to show His comprehensive work. The number 12 signifies the total number of the people of God, i.e., the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, the number 1000 signifies a total quantity and the multiplication of these two quantities shows that God is completing His work in totality. 
remembering that the book of Revelation is about the transition from the Old Covenant into the New, we are seeing the faithful that will pass from being among the faithful Jews to the faithful Church. John sees this massive number of people in the description that follows in the next several verses. They are clothed in white, representing their sanctification and they are waving palm branches, which we should recognize as what took place as Jesus entered Jerusalem just before His crucifixion. God who sits on the throne and the Lamb are worshipped and glorified. One of the elders then interacts with John and asks him who these great numbers of people are. We learn that these are those who lived during the Great Tribulation and came through it sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. The mistake that is often made here is one of timing. This is not about the typical 1,000-year tribulation that is so commonly spoken of in modern-day eschatology. These are those who were faithful to God all throughout the Old Covenant, from Adam to the death of Jesus Christ. The chapter ends with what appears to be a song about those who no longer suffer as they did during their time on earth but instead are enjoying the blessing, the glory and presence of God. The next chapter begins with the opening of the seventh seal, the first six of which we saw in chapter 6. As this seal is opened, we are faced with the unusual 30 minutes of silence. This unusual silence corresponds with the large passage of time that took place between at the end of the last phase of the Old Covenant. Theologians speak of this as the 400 years of silence just prior to the Incarnation. It is the arrival of the Messiah into Israel that begins the end. Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God, as the perfect, faithful covenantal head is the one who will bring about the closure of the Old Covenant, the fulfillment of all the requirements of the covenant relationship between God and man and be the perfect intercessor between God and man. It is Jesus' intercessions, represented here as incense rising up before God, that is a preparation for the finishing of all things. As this seal is broken, there are seven angels with seven trumpets as the means to pour out the final judgment for the passage from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. With the first four trumpets, we see the judgment of God fall upon all of creation, the land, the ocean, standing water, the rivers, flowing water, and the sun, moon and stars. All of these images working together are showing us that God's judgment is upon all of creation and that judgment is, as the flying eagle says, a terrible woe for those on the earth. But there is more to come, as there are three more trumpets to blow. Chapter 9 picks up with the fifth angel blowing his trumpet and bringing about another wave of destruction as part of the judgment against sinful man. Just as God sent the flood during Noah's time because of their unfaithfulness and just as He sent the Israelites into Egyptian slavery for their idolatry, He here uses the image of a falling star, a corrupt government leader, possibly the Romans, to bring destruction. But as God is always faithful to His covenant, He protects those who are faithful to Him from the destruction of this fallen star. We are given some very bizarre descriptions of what those look like who are bringing this destruction. To go into the details are beyond the scope of this paper but suffice to say that these are terrifying oppressors, who will have no mercy upon their victims. They are given five months to attack and oppress fallen men but they are not allowed to kill them. It is when the sixth trumpet is blown that death finally comes. Another round of horrifying oppressors fall upon mankind. Three plagues come from these in the form of fire, smoke and sulfur, killing a third of fallen men. Those who did not die from these, still did not reap it of their idolatry and immorality. It is important to realize that this judgment is not the anger of a brutal tyrant but the response of God toward those who rejected the Messiah. Those who chose not to embrace salvation and escape from the coming judgment only have themselves to blame. If one jumps off a cliff, he cannot complain that gravity killed him. It is in these three chapters that we see the final stages of the Old Covenant taking place. Remember the cycle that has taken place since the beginning of mankind's fall into sin. Each cycle of the covenant relationship between God and man begins with God raising up a leader for His people. 
this leader would be faithful for a time but then eventually would fall into sin and or lead his people into sin. The leader would die, the people would continue to digress into some form of covenantal unfaithfulness which would eventually culminate in a passing through of some form of death. The faithful being preserved and the unfaithful dying. This is what we are seeing here. God raised up Adam and he sinned. God raised up Noah and his son sinned. God raised up Abraham and his descendants sinned. God raised up Moses and his people sinned. God raised up David and he, his descendants and his people sinned. God raised up Jesus Christ to lead his people out of the old covenant and into the new. The difference is that Jesus did not sin, he did not fail but he provided the means for men to move out from under the failings of the headship of Adam and into the new life of the new covenant. This bizarre display of terrifying judgments and death is the last phase of the old covenant. Those who have deliberately and specifically rejected the Messiah will receive a just judgment for their unfaithfulness. Those who have sought to be faithful and have embraced the salvation that God provides in Jesus Christ will pass through that death and come into new life on the other side of judgment.